Hello, welcome to Z Hanks of the Memories. I'm your host, Dan, and today we're going to be covering Sully. The story of Sully Sullivan O'Sullivan, the captain who landed a plane. Um, I think that's the full title of the film. Um, in other territories, this does have a subtitle, actually, which is Miracle on the Hudson. Um, as coined by the then blind governor of New York, I think, at the time, David Patterson. Um, he was the one who coined that phrase, or someone in his office did, and he said it out loud, because, you know, politics. Uh, the film was released on the 9th of September 2016. Warner Brothers were like, we're not bothered about the fact that this is coming out around the 15th anniversary of 9-11. I'm sure it will do absolutely fine. And it did! Four times its budget at the box office. Uh, but then again, uh, Clint likes to shoot him cheap. Of course, Tom is basically the only one getting billing, although Aaron Eckhart's moustache is also fighting for second billing there. And joining me to talk about this today, I have Brian Lockhart. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, we're going to have to, at the top, we're going to have to say, uh, I mean, Aaron Eckhart's moustache in this. Top five moustaches of all time on screen, I think. It's one of the best. Um, yeah. Oh my lord! I mean, it is so, like uh, the like just the placement of where it finishes, the covering on the lip, everything. I mean, it's you know, I I don't know why Aaron Eckhart doesn't just rock that mustache like all the time, like unless there was like a team of people making sure that that mustache was kept in place like every day on the on the set. Um, which I'm gonna guess because this is a Clint Eastwood film, probably took I don't know three weeks. Um, everything's the first take. That's his. That's his. You know, that's his reputation, isn't it? Is uh, He's never heard of any a second take. There are some actors in the past who've been like, yeah, I worked with Clint Eastwood. And, you know, I did my first take and I was like, okay, Clint, um, you know, I'm just going to, you know, let's just go for another one. And he's like, I'm sorry, we've already packed up. We're moving on. Yeah. We're, on to the, we're on to the next setup. We're not, we're not hanging around here. Um, and that's why J. Edgar is an absolutely awful film. Um, because some of that needed a second take. In fact, the whole film needed probably a third or a fourth or a fifth take because it is just um, a terrible abomination. And that is my way of saying that I have seen Clint Eastwood films. I had a run. I saw like J.A. get at the cinema. I, I didn't pay money for it because I've got a, a thing. But, you know, I, I saw it at the cinema. I saw Changeling. It was like, I you know, I saw Gran Torino. There's like a, there was like a run of, of Clint Eastwood films that I saw. I didn't see this at the cinema. Um... You know, and the thing is, I remember this happening like in 2009, like, you know, back in the days of 2009 when George Bush was in the White House and, um, you know, a young Joe Piscopo was teaching the world how to laugh. Um, and like, you know, I remember it happening. But I, like when when the, the announcement of the film was coming out, I was like, oh, like, didn't this thing like last like like 13 minutes, like start to finish? Like they took off, some birds hit the plane and it landed. And everyone was rescued. I mean, so I couldn't see how they'd get a film out of it. Um, so I don't think I bothered going to see it. I think the day this came out, I saw Bridget Jones's Baby instead, which, of course, um, you know, a staple of British cinema, uh, the Bridget Jones trilogy. So, you know, um, but did you see this at the cinema? I did. Uh, Brian, did you? No, I didn't. Um, no. Yeah, I think my, my kid was probably about, he was pretty young at the time. So I, my movie going days were very limited. <laughs> <laughs> at the time um but i'm a tom hanks fan i'm a clint eastwood fan and given the fact that this was um you know based on something that you know really happened i was pretty interested in it you know i remember it happening live um i definitely it was definitely a rental like i i streamed it i know i know i like, i probably had <laughs> i was probably still a cable at the time and i did the on-demand you know feature once it was available and we watched it um so that was, that was, I mean, that was my first goal. But I, you, you said something that I totally thought, even on this rewatch, um, 
all you need to really see is the beginning and the end of this film, and then the middle is just all fluff. <laughs> like you know, going in, I mean, there's in 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 the recent weeks, there's been a few Tom Hanks films that have clocked in at a you know a little bit longer than I think was necessary. Um, you know, looking at like extremely loud Cloud Atlas, Captain Phillips, Saving Mr. Banks. Those films are all well, even Bridge of Spies, sorry. Those are all well over two hours of film. Um, unfortunately, the last two, Ithaca and Hologram for the King, very short. Ithaca, 80 minutes, start mm. to finish. Um, once the credits come up, you know, kept it nice and short. Hologram for the King, uh, you know, about an hour and 40. But the last 20 minutes is Tom Hanks swimming naked with someone. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um so when I saw this, I was like, how, like, how long is this film going to be? Clint's not one for long films. So I was thinking, this is probably going to be a nice 90 minutes. And, you know, start to finish, until we get to see the real, you know, Sully at the end, um, it is about 85 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it is very, very... And it, and it hinges on a premise that even, like, attracted some controversy in real life, because the investigation was not as kind of confrontational <laughs> as it's made out here. Um and basically, also, it didn't take place as quickly as this because the, the way this film plays out, it makes it look like the investigation took place like two days later. And, you know, Sully was still able to go and see the the, the, the plane kind of being towed back into the docks. Like this investigation happened months later, five days after this happened. Sully was at the inauguration of Barack Obama. Like he's he was an invited guest because he was a national hero. Like, it, you know, there wasn't paparazzi everywhere. I mean, people, you know, obviously in real life, people were shaking his hand and congratulating him stuff because, you know, what he did was quite extraordinary. Um, and I would say this, you know, like the whole landing sequence, you know, um, and it, like the the kind of stuff inside the cockpit is kind of amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when it does land, you do shed a bit of a tear. You're like, oh, you know, like like that moment when like the water was approaching. And I, so I think it's, you know, it's done really well. Some of the effects are a little bit kind of Ooh. people standing around in a pool with a green screen behind them. The, the, plane, of, um, the plane effects are, are iffy, but it's not the point. It's, a, you know, that it's not an effects hey. movie. <laughs> It's not it's not as bad as like the ending of Air Force One where it literally looks like someone threw a toy plane into a bucket. Like it's not that bad, but still, yeah, they are a bit fakey. But I like I, I you know Clint's not one to care that much about doing a second take on anything. And I'm ga gathering the effects houses probably did what they could in the time that was allocated to them. Um, you know this pr this started shooting pretty quickly at the end of like 2015. And, you know, it was out with, you know, within like nine months of being shot. So it doesn't doesn't feel like there was a lot of time for special effects. They're not bad or anything. They're not terrible. But they just, you know, like the, the, the amount like the when they do the takeoff and stuff, the amount of time dwelling on that and the effects of the bird strike and stuff, that's all the good stuff. Mm -hmm. Once they're on the water, it does look a tiny bit people standing in a pool. You know, but, the, you know, the, the, the kind of the acting of the people isn't bad. Like, you know, this is a once we get into it, this is a wonderful like this is a stacked cast. It is insane. Top to bottom. There are people with like non-speaking roles who've been nominated for stuff like it's kind of insane. Um, you know, and like I said, it made its money back. One of those rare films, although I think this is kind of this is kind of the par for Eastwood films where it made more money in America than it did mm. internationally. And it's. These days, it's very rare for films to do that kind of thing, you know, um, and generally that's not seen as, you know, a, a good thing. Uh, what amused me the most was that this was no this was nominated at the AARP Annual Movies for Grown Ups Awards, uh, <laughs> where it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director and Best Actor. It got it got a lot of other awards, you know, a lot of critics choice stuff. 
Um, and, you know, it won the People's Choice Award for Favourite Dramatic Movie Actor for Tom Hanks. And so that's another one for his cabinet. Um, and I think the, it was, the only Oscar it was nominated for was editing, um, which he didn't win. Uh, so, but yeah, you like, you know, uh, uh, I mean, it, like it was, as with a lot of Clint Eastwood films, it was thrown together pretty quickly. And, yeah. and sometimes that you could kind of see that it was shot. This is, this is the, the bizarrest thing in the entire world. As if Chris Nolan was suddenly on set all in IMAX, start to finish IMAX cameras. Really? Um, yeah, and and it set records for showings on IMAX, which is not hard to do because you know you've only got to make two million and you you're the highest grossing IMAX film ever. Um, so, which I'm exaggerating because it made five million, and that beat the previous record of four million. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I but I think these days there's a lot more IMAX screens, so that that figure is a little bit higher. And obviously, you know, there are a lot of um, superhero films and stuff that have shot in IMAX since. So. But yeah, um, you know, it, like it did really well on IMAX screenings, but there's no, home, on home video, there's never been a version of the, because the IMAX is a slightly different shape, isn't it? So there's mm-hmm. there's never, like, they just basically cropped it to, um, you know, 235 or 239. Um, and that's just the version that everyone sees. So there's no, there's no 190 releases of it in the proper IMAX format. But I just thought it was weird that he just went with IMAX cameras. Like, I guess, you know, Clint was like, let's try something different. Yeah. I mean... Well, I can see trying to capture, the, especially the ending, you know, when they actually see everything. Yeah. So, I mean, trying to really, like, like on the IMAX, I bet you that, that'd be pretty cool, um, even with the wonky special effects. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, yeah, that surprises me to see that Eastwood did something like that. Because it's not about the special effects. This this really is about no. the, the, the investigation and the drama behind that, um, you know. But but everybody yeah. knows the story, so you kind of want to capture it best you can. Yeah, if you really want to get into it, just just watch the landing. It's it's like if I ever watch Zero Dark Thirty these days, I only watch like the last thirty five minutes where they kill Bin Laden because that's the fun part of the film. Um, you know, that's that's I've said this I said this in a previous film. Um, I said this in Captain Phillips, in fact, where they had the four headshots all in one go at the end. There, wonderful headshots. Um, I you know I if you're gonna watch Zero Dark Thirty, just the stuff with the you know. The Marines at the end is just uh, the, the Navy SEAL. Sorry, it's just it's insane. Like just that whole sequence. Um, I get a bit annoyed when like the people are approaching and they're like yelling at him. I'm like, just go and kill Bin Laden. Um, and then you know, I I love the double taps as well. Like they they not. I mean, I don't want to talk too much about Zero Dog Thirty, but I just love that sequence where they kick in the doors and there's somebody like pleading for their life and they're just like, sorry, shoot you. And then as they're on the floor, they're like, you know, throw another few bullets at them and then move on to the next part of the room. Um, you know, move up to the next level, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's and you know, it's similar with this. The landing is is the story. Um, you know, watch that bit. Uh, you know, and probably ignore the rest of the film because the investigation. I mean, the thing is, the investigation has like Mike O'Malley and Anna Gunn and Jamie Sheridan, and you're like, that's an insane like. You know, all big TV stars, but it's like that's a, that's those are some really good actors who are effectively just playing these ciphers who just have to say mad things at uh, at Aaron and and Tom while they sit there with their mustaches. Um, and you know, this is this is, I mean, this is Tom's second notable mustache after uh, saving Mister Banks, um, where they measured the mustache that Walt Disney had and they scaled it so that Tom Hanks's was the same scale on his face. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, in real life, Sully's mustache is, is kind of, I don't know. I just, I don't feel that Tom Hanks really captured the mustache of it all. No, um, no, he didn't. It's, it doesn't 
feel, you know, as... I mean, you know, Sully's moustache, again, I don't know, top 15 moustache of all time, I think, in terms of public figures. You know, a really good moustache. And I don't think Tom captured that. But he captured everything else about the performance, so... You know, but I mean, the thing is, when you're sitting there with Aaron Eckhart and that, you know, that all time mustache right next to you, it's very, very hard to match that energy. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and if people haven't seen Aaron Eckhart's mustache in this film, just Google Aaron Eckhart Sully just to see that mustache, because, um, you know, in pictures. I mean, the thing is with Aaron Eckhart as well, you get that chin. So if he's just got a mustache, you get the mustache and then you also get the chin with the little dimple. And you're like, this is just too much for one man. I don't think it's fair that Aaron Eckhart has been given, you know, he's got that dimple. Okay, we get it, Aaron. And then he comes in with this mustache and you're like, I'm sorry, that's just, I, you know, it's a hat on top of a hat. You just, it's looking too good. They should have at least made him clean shaven for this film. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Aaron, and the thing is, well, Aaron Eckhart in this film, he's not given a huge amount to do apart from just like back Sully up like all the time yeah. and just kind of stand around. And I, But I still love what he's doing because it's just like, he, it is like him just being like, so they, like they show when when they take off they kind of don't they haven't really flown with each other because there's a bit of banter but it's you know it seems like oh this is the first time as a co-pilot and then by the end they're like the best they're like best buds um and i did i that's really the only kind of arc in this film is just how much of a best bud they become by the end when they take that break and they just walk out into the hallway just to be like yeah we're the best uh before going back in that, that i mean that's um, a good scene i i like that whole ending like that's the thing that's, i mean you can literally yeah. just watch the end and because I, even though I was always wondering, and I'm glad you already answered it for me, like, was it this, like, did they question him this much? I, I really don't think they did. And, and, uh, but, but I mean, it makes for drama, you know, you need some drama. Yeah. And that. The true, the true thing is the engine, the other engine was missing for a few days before it was recovered. Okay. And so the, the initial report was incorrect. That, that is true. Okay. But it wasn't as dramatic as well. I, I, I love to. I mean, I, you know, yeah. I guess I'm spoiling right to the end. But I, I just love how, you know, they have the simulation, and and Sully is smart enough to realize that. Like, how many times did they do the simulation? They're like seventeen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a big moment, isn't it? And I, I love that. I just love the way that was played as well. As like, yeah, I, I bet these guys are practiced, and right. you know, he just knows the right question to ask. You want to get serious um, for a moment, yeah? And then, uh, you know, and and, and, and that's what you mean. Like Eckhart uh, totally backs him up. Um, you know, they stick together. They both are like, hey, look, you know, there's a human element, all that good stuff. But I do love, too, when they're like, J we just been handed this report. Like, it just now on the stand, <laughs> they suddenly reveal that, yes, the other engine was recovered and, you know, damaged extensively by, like, bird, even bird experts confirmed it. So it's just like, <laughs> it just in time yeah. at, like, the 90-minute mark, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and obviously that's delivered by Anna Gunn, who here kind of probably, you know, uh, with the Breaking Bad kind of ending recently, you know, at the, around the time that this film was coming out. So probably, a, a, you know, her most well-known. Um, but we've, I mean, just the cast is insane. You know, Holt McCallany, who's like the, um, he was in Fight Club. That's where I instantly recognized him from Fight Club. And I was like, oh, it's that guy from Fight Club, uh, who's like the, the representative, you know, the representative for the union um and like i say michael malley again he you know on glee at this particular time and he he was the you know he was like he's the main guy who's like holding the investigation jamie sheridan was on law and order criminal intent for a while um for a season he wore an eye patch because in real life he had like an issue with one of his eyes which is oh. kind of um yeah so um and then further down the cast you know like playing the passengers and stuff you know we have people 
uh, like Sam Huntington and uh, Valerie McAfee, um, and you've got Molly Hagan and Cusack, like just, you know, and of course we've got uh, Frank Zabocca in here, Chris Bauer, um, <laughs> which I, you know, I just, I, what's weird is it like, these are all very kind of like TV famous people. Um, and then out of nowhere, we have Michael Rappaport as like a bar owner. Um, and I was just like, you know, again, I, like I love I, I just the. I mean, the cast is so good. Um, but as we said, Clint is like his his like direction is like so kind of just mechanical. Yeah. And the story is kind of spread out so thin that it's, you know, those kind of save it. But, um, you know, let's jump into the film. Um, you know, Warner Brothers, a Time Warner company. feels so, feels so weird because like you know six years on and it's a warner discovery company and it's been through at&t so i was so weird seeing that i was like this is just weird uh, of course warner brothers well you know huge fans of clint eastwood worked with him for decades um so but um and also elvis is also a warner brothers film <laughs> so you know so tom has returned to warner brothers uh this year um this is the second of three films that came out in 2016 for tom um, you know, the next, well, the first one being A Hologram for the King was a flop, uh, and the next one being Inferno, which was so successful they've decided not to make any Dan Brown films again, and they've turned it into a TV show instead. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, I have to watch Inferno next. Next, um, the first time I saw this film was about an hour ago, uh, <laughs> because I just I just watched it, so I would know, you know, as happened with a lot of these films. Um, by my count, this is about the eighth time that Tom has played like a captain. Um, the first being uh, Every Time We Say Goodbye, where he was also a pilot. Um, and then obviously you've also got like uh, Saving Private Ryan and, you know, Captain Phillips. But in between, he's also had, you know, a few other military roles, uh, including Forrest Gump, of course, who I don't know if he was ever a captain. Captain Dan was a captain. Uh, but I guess he was a captain of his own ship in that film, wasn't he, when he had the, the shrimp boat? Uh, although I think he made, yeah, he made Captain Dan first mate, didn't he? So, uh, yeah, he was, you know, so he's played a few captains. Um, and we open with, um, you know, we're in the cockpit. He's saying Mayday. Um, we hear this, there's the sound of plane and he's he's going to turn back to LaGuardia. Uh, and of course, as a viewer, if you have, if you knew what happened in real life, you're like, I don't think he went back to LaGuardia. And also, why would anyone ever go to LaGuardia? one of the worst airports in new york um but he doesn't he crashes into a building and he wakes up it was just a dream um and you know sully decides to go out running in new york um because obviously clint is like we're in new york and also a green screen somewhere around here so let's just film tom hanks running around new york and that sully running around new york will be something that kind of comes back throughout this film because i think the most present timeline is the one where he's running and then the next day is the hearing yeah um I think and so that's that's yeah clint eastwood likes to run in all his movies he's kind of like the he's like the anti um uh, tom cruise where he's not he's not he doesn't have good form but he definitely shows himself running in most of his movies he's an older man and he's not in the in the film so he's got to have tom hanks do it <laughs> yeah and, uh, because, well, Tom gets to do what he likes to do. There's no peeing in this film, unfortunately. It's been a while <laughs> since Tom's peed on film. Um, but there is Tom topless because he's in a steam room, um, you know, thinking about what's going on. We see on the TV, uh, you know, Flight 1549. Get used to those numbers because you're going to hear them a lot. Um, you know, is uh, is is in the news. Um, it's implied somehow that this is still a few days after this happened or the next day. It's, you know, very close to when it happened. Of course, in real life, the hearings took, you know, took place a few months later. And I don't think it was until like almost May 
the following year before they issued the the thing but you know for the sake of this film we're going to compress everything down a little bit i'm you know i'm not that bothered about it you know but it it does get it does give the chance for tom to kind of wander around new york like in the aftermath and you know like we said he runs into michael rapaport later on and you know there's a bit of an exchange between them um we get to meet our people who are going to be grilling sully um we have uh mike o'malley as charles porter um i like a film where everyone gets a surname <laughs> um and uh, we, we also have anna gunn playing dr elizabeth davis uh we've got jamie sheridan playing ben edwards um you know all all these all these people will be sitting on the panel you know for most of the film and they're kind of questioning sully and of course you know his co-pilot jeff skiles played by aaron Eckhart and his wonderful mustache and you know there's a few times what i like about this is you know it is kind of like only in a movie do people correct people the way they do here so you know uh, they're saying you know it's an investigation into a crash and obviously sully's like whoa not a crash buddy a water landing and you know stuff like that kind of happens throughout this film where people will say there's also some of the, some of this script is really people just saying stuff what they're doing and <laughs> it like it, I mean, it didn't irritate me too much but there's sometimes where some people are standing right in front of someone saying like oh you know this is the and it's like stop you know show don't tell buddy um you know film is a visual medium um yeah Sully kind of admits in this first hearing that you know he eyeballed it like you know like he, he he was in the air somebody said turn off to LaGuardia and he was like nah and he just kind of eyeballed the Hudson and decided that's where he was going to land uh, we'll see all that later on in detail but you know this is this opening is just setting up the fact that the the RTSB um are people who for some reason have taken a dislike to a man who saved 154 of the people <laughs> for no reason but you know that's the way the film's going to do it but i, I did I, what i did like at least is you know anna gunn and jamie sheridan and mike o'malley they're three actors that i've loved in other stuff um you know mike mike o'malley particularly like in glee like people make fun of glee but there are some parts of that that show that were really good and mike o'malley was always amazing as kurt's dad and you know showed like somebody who you know was an ally to like lgbt and all that kind of, and so it's like you know he was he was such so good in that around a, a show that basically fell apart at the seams so fast mm. um seeing him here i'm like oh it's michael malley it's kurt's dad it's nice to see him here but obviously playing a role where you're like i, I don't think this is how this went but you know it, I, what i like is it gives it gives it gives tom the chance to set up who sully is which is someone who is very humble um, and apparently this is kind of more accurate to what he was like in real life. Like he, you know, he landed this plane and everyone's like thanking him and calling him hero. And he was giving credit to literally everybody else apart from himself. Um, you know, and that's that's kind of what cemented him as a hero. So the fact that, you know, he's Sully's in here and he's like, no, 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 no. You know, like I just eyeballed it. And then, you know, Aaron Eckhart is like, look, I checked through like the safe, like the manual. And he was already on step 15 before we even, you know, even got started. Like he was already doing stuff that, you know. And he's been flying for like 40 something years, like, which I, you know, I don't think Tom Hanks is quite old enough to actually have been flying for that long. But unless Sully started when he was like eight or something. Um, but I think in real life, Sully was just a little bit older than Tom Hanks, because obviously we do see little flashbacks to younger Sully. And he's meant to be like a, a teenager when he was like crop dusting and stuff. So, you know, it, I mean, it doesn't really make that much difference, you know, because Tom's obviously got his hair done white. So he looks older 
and obviously he's playing it you know a lot older than you know he is in real life but uh acting yeah i mean i yeah well there you go yeah he's won a couple of awards for that thing so including getting nominated for the aarp you know grown-ups film award well there you go he, uh, he's convincing enough for them to be an elderly man so <laughs> yeah the aarp were like this is our guy and then somebody had to say hey he's not that old and they were like well he fooled us yeah. um yeah we get we get we get a phone call to his wife played by laura linney um who i feel is completely wasted in this film <laughs> like he she's just there for him to call and say stuff to and she's just there to fret um and you know i'm sure that in real life lorraine sullenberger was you know kind of better than that but like you know it's kind of an underwritten role um but we get you know we 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 know why she's there she's there because later on he needs to make a dramatic phone call and they're kind of setting it up here um and we see the kind of you know the paparazzi are already outside their house they're outside the hotel where he is um and it's kind of establishing that we're still in january 2009 like you know the we have it like it, the the crash has just happened um there's a weird there's a weird thing you know we had the first dream sequence but then there's a couple of times where sully kind of um you know falls asleep um <laughs> and imagines people like being mad at him on the tv hmm. um which again I, I mean i don't know if there's um like i don't know if these are the real like you know new york one reporters but like they keep appearing on tv and kind of criticizing sully and being like yeah but couldn't he have just gone to laguardia and then sully kind of wakes up and you had to stretch yeah. out the movie <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah you've got to make an 11 minute incident you know last a little bit longer but yeah i i just thought it was kind of funny because like you know we we kind of we're like we're trying to get the fact that Sully was a bit more kind of shaken up by this incident, which in fairness, like you know, they make it clear that literally no other pilot in history has had done this, like nobody had done a water landing this successfully. Like you know, there've been some water landings, but they generally tended to end up with most of the people dying. Mm. So you know, th like it was kind of it, you know, you would be a little bit shaken up even after forty something years of flying. It would still be you know an experience but i think the way that kind of eastwood decides to depict it is a little bit kind of like flimsy and you're like okay like he keeps hearing people on the tv criticizing him uh, and then of course you know like we see the kind of him doing an interview with uh is it katie kubrick um like recreating like the interview that he really did and you know saying to him you know like that he's a hero and, all this, and he's just like i'm just a man doing a job uh, again you know being kind of humble and everything um, and this is where we see the first of a couple of flashbacks where we see him in, you know, like a, you know, like a biplane flying around doing some crop dusting, um, you know, making it clear that, you know, Sully has been flying for a long time. I don't know that that really helps us. Like, we understand that. I mean, I think the one later on, the military one's a bit more interesting. But this first flashback, I'm like, do I care that he was dusting crops when he was 16? <laughs> like... I think it I is. Don't know that, like, yeah, it is just to establish, no. like you said, that he's been doing it literally his whole life. Yeah, um, and then we have, um, um, you know, Holt McKinley, um standing, you know, Mike Cleary, the the union rep guy, standing in his hotel room, saying to him, "Sully, I'm standing here calling your name," and I'm like, "Okay," <laughs> just a weird moment in the script uh, where somebody says what they're doing. Um, and obviously Sully's, you know, as I say, he's spacing out a little bit. He's not, you know, 
one might say it's mild PTSD from, you know, from the crash and everything. Um, you know, and there's some talk about how, you know, he was going to, he was meant to follow the QRH, um, but he didn't follow the QRH. You know, he just, he, he kind of just checked everything and they, they, you know, they got on with trying to land it on the water. Um, and the, the, you know, the board, they say to him, you know, we've done some computer um, simulations and they show a successful landing at LaGuardia. And this is the big drama of the film that kind of hangs over, you know, most of it where like, you know, the computer simulations were successful and we'll find out later, you know, in, I don't know what we're calling it, plane court, um, <laughs> where, like, you know, maybe that maybe that information is not completely correct. There's a little bit of kind of drama around, you know, them getting them to rerun them and all this kind of stuff. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we go to David Letterman and we see David Letterman, you know, talking about Brace for Impact and making some jokes about, you know, have you heard that in your personal life? <laughs> uh and that's real. Like, it's, that's a real David Letterman clip. And they just obviously put all the actors in place of the real people. It's a little bit wonky. And it like it literally looks like Tom Hanks and Aaron Eckhart and, and the rest of them are standing there. Uh, you know, Molly Hagen and, and Autumn Reese that like are standing on a green screen being kind of rotoscoped over the top of the original guest. Like, it's a little bit wonky. Um, and also... David Letman not particularly amusing in this particular in this case. <laughs> so, you know, uh, to up the drama, Sonny calls his wife again and tells her something. He says, "Maybe the left engine wasn't hit by anything." Okay, I mean, I don't know that she would really particularly care about that. If I was Lorraine Sullenberger and my wife, called, my husband called me up and told me this, I'd be like, "Okay, Sully, that's interesting, but I feel like you're only telling me this for the benefit of the audience." Mm-hmm. Um, you know. It's <laughs> just to, so, just to give a reason for maybe he did the wrong move, you know, like when they do the yeah. But no, I, I mean, anybody watching the movie that's even remotely familiar with what really happened, they're not um, they're not questioning his choice. <laughs> they might be questioning his choice to get a sandwich from Hudson News, though. Um, but you know, if you're in New York, Hudson News is everywhere. I've gone to a Hudson News on more than one occasion whenever I've been in New York. Um, in fact, I normally make a case of, de- you know, even if I don't need to pop into a Hudson News because you just got to soak up that New York atmosphere. Right. Um, and <laughs> yeah, so he gets a Hudson. He gets like his sandwich from the Hudson News. But this brings us to the second act, which is let's get to know those passengers. You know, who were those 154 souls that were on board along with the captain? They keep saying 155, but that includes Sully. <laughs> so. Stop including yourself in the 155. You saved 154 people. You don't need to add that extra person on, Sully. We know you saved yourself because you're... You're here. You're here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we see a few passengers. We see Valerie Mahaffey, a uh, lovely actress, always entertained by her. Um, you know, she's there with a the mom who is in a wheelchair. You know, that will play into the rescue at the end for about 30 seconds, and then you forget about it. Um, you know, we've got various people kind of you know, who are going to be on the plane. We get to meet them here. Um, there's a couple. There's a woman with a baby. There's a guy who's sitting next to the woman with a baby. Uh, there's three guys who've just been... I mean, I don't know if this is like some kind of weird gag, but apparently they've been turned away by Spirit Airlines <laughs> uh, because, you know, the, the plane took off earlier or something. Uh, they're going golfing. Two sons with their dad. Um, I think one of them's played by Sam Huntington is the one son... Um, and I think the other is Max Adler, who also was on Glee. 
along with Mike O'Malley. Um, you know, so just a, a whole bunch of, you know, various passengers. Um, if this was like a TV movie, this is where we would start. We would start with getting to know all the passengers for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we would get on the plane and then we would have the plane crash at the very end because, you know, a TV movie you know prefers to keep its budget for the last, you know, 45 minutes of the film. Um, but here we're just seeing, you know, these are the people that are going to be on the plane with Sully. We see them, um, you know, getting on board, you know, sitting in various places. We see that the one son doesn't sit with his dad and his other, you know, son. They have to sit somewhere else, which, you know, in the normal airplane business, not really that important. But of course, you know, for the purposes of this, you know, later on, that will mean something. Um, and then we get the the first time we see the takeoff, the first of three times, is it, where we see the, the, the flight? Um I think you know because uh, obviously we'll see we'll we we get most of it here and then we will get some of it a little bit later on and then we get a tiny bit of it when we're back in the cockpit for the right, the, the right. CVR, yeah. So um, here we are. We're taking off. Uh, we get a nice view of the Hudson, and I will admit it was a nice view of the Hudson. Um, it's I mean the thing is I, you know I think in my life I've taken off from New York like four times. And I generally make sure when I'm when I'm going flying on flying out, I don't particularly care about the view. Don't care about the view over London. It's London. Seen it all my life. But coming back, I like to I like to be in a window seat. I like to see the Statue of Liberty. I like to you know see the all the big buildings as we're flying away. Um, and you know they've got a nice view of the Hudson, foreshadowing. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> we've we've also just been to Hudson New, so this is the second time we've had the word Hudson. Um, and so we then get the birds, which I love every single time when they just go birds, like just the, the kind of yelling of birds. Every I just love it. The you know the lights go out, they're like let's consult the the, the QRH. Um, you know they they contact the uh, tower. Um, if anyone has ever seen the film Pushing Tin, uh, mm. wonderful John Cusack, Billy Bob Thornton, Angelina Jolie film. Um, you know, it, it's really great because it kind of details exactly how, um, you know, air traffic control works. And the busiest air traffic control center is in New Jersey. Um, and it handles the three New York airports along with uh, Teterboro and all the other surrounding airports. It ha- I think it handles something at this point, like 15, 16 airports. And, and so, yeah, well, if you watch the film, it's like... You know the burnout for them is pretty high, which is why it's weird because like the the ATC that's featured in this, I really felt his story like because <laughs> he basically thinks that he loses a plane, and that is like the most traumatic thing that can happen to an air traffic controller is being involved in them losing a plane, and and so like you know the guy the guy's devastated as he's as he's like taking out his headset and stuff, and you know. Like it's it's so weird. I was like, I'm very invested in this guy. Don't even know his name because they never really say it. Um, but yeah, we see the communication between air traffic control where, you know, there he's trying to find him a runway. Basically, he's like, you know, you can get runway one three at uh, LaGuardia. You can go to Teterboro and get two four over there or two seven. I think it is. Um, and he's like, um, no, uh, I think we're going to end up in the Hudson. <laughs> and. You know, uh, he, he kind of calls over his supervisor because when he says, you know, how many engines have you lost? You know, he's like two. He's like both, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, they've got no engines. Um, and so he says to his supervisor, he's got an A320 diving for the river. Um, we cut back to the airplane and we see 
you know, obviously this is your captain speaking, brace for impact. Um, and, you know, we, we see, you know, that there's very, like the air traffic controller, like you say, he's in, he's in tears because they go off the radar. I think it's because they're too low yeah. for it to be picked up. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, and so he, he thinks that they've lost, obviously if you're in New York and you're, you, you know, you've got a plane that's crashing. Yeah. Not a good thing. It's happened before. And, right. uh, you know, that was not partic- so obviously air traffic control in in new jersey is you know they're kind of sensitive about that kind of thing and so this guy is in tears as he has to unplug his headset and you know they're like you can they have to do all their checks to make sure he the, it wasn't his fault so obviously they're going to have him take a drug test yeah. <laughs> and all this kind of stuff and sobriety test and he's in tears like being led away as the new guy comes in and plugs in his headset um, and then we see that you know sully lands the plane but we cut away from it quickly um, you know, and I would say this, like all this sequence, like we said, the the effects are a little bit less than you would expect, but it's still a very good sequence. And you know, this is this is what you're watching the film for. This is this is what you want to see is the is the landing, and uh, you know, the rescue later on, not quite as interesting, no. but you know, the, the, the crashing into the water that's the fun part. But we cut away from it straight away, so we don't know what happens after Sully managed to get it onto the water, or even if he did manage to get it on the water. Uh, because technically it's kind of like a cliffhanger, but it's like he's alive, so we know that he did get it. So it's, At least he it's lived. It's kind of pointless, yeah. but you know. <laughs> yeah, it'd be funny if Sully was the only one who lived. Um, then it would make it a, uh, what, what's that film, Unbreakable situation. Yeah. <laughs> then, then we find out that he's, but of course that guy couldn't survive in water, so it wouldn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, uh, Mr. Glass responsible for, you know, those birds maybe? I don't know. Maybe this is a fourth part of that universe. Uh, unfortunately it's not set in philadelphia so i don't think it is uh but yeah we see here the you know the flashback of sully oh by the way ends up in times square as everyone does if you go to new york um i know the first time i ever went to new york literally within like 30 minutes of checking into my hotel i was like i don't care that it's like midnight on a thursday i'm going to times square um and it's well you know i mean they they, people say it's touristy but i was a tourist so that's where you go (laughs) right um (laughs) You know, you go to Times Square to see see what the fuss is about. And even at like midnight on a Thursday, that place was jam-packed as if it was like two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. So it's weird that Sully manages to get such a quiet Times Square going on here. Um, it's amazing what you but, can you know, get when you're making his... a movie. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah. They obviously picked the right time to shoot. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we see his faces on all the TV screens because obviously there's a lot of news screens uh, over there, constant tickers. It's kind of crazy. Um, and he doesn't see the naked cowboy though. He doesn't run into the naked cowboy, so that disappointing. I felt that like that would have been a moment for him to like shake his hand and and for Sully to go. I can see your penis. A real New York um, City hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so we see a flashback here to like a military landing. Something's gone wrong with an engine, foreshadowing, and uh, Sully uh, manages to land this military plane. Um, you know, without it crashing and everything. And I'm like, okay. I mean, it was, it's, just, it's a nice sequence. Sometimes it does feel a little bit like two, somebody holding up two little plastic airplanes because the effects aren't, aren't, aren't fantastic. It's no Top Gun Maverick, let's put it like that. Um, you know, uh, I don't think, uh, you know, Tom Hanks was spending, or whoever was playing Young Sonny, was spending years learning how to fly a plane so they could, um, you know, film stuff in the cockpit. So, um, and but then again, you know, very briefly, let's talk about Miles Teller's mustache in, in that film. Top ten mustache of all time, I think, possibly. Yeah, but uh, it's no, it's nowhere near Aaron Heckard's like level. It's 
It's in a slightly lower level, I would say. No, but it's going to inspire a lot of people to try to grow one and to look as cool as Miles Teller in that movie, and it's going to be unsuccessful for about 99.9% of everybody who tries it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, apart from Aaron Eckhart, if he tries it... Well, he's on a whole other level. Yeah, that's not... Yeah, 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 he's he's going to be more than succeeding at that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's an okay sequence. Like, it, you know, it shows to us that Sully has done this kind of thing before... Um, and he ends up at a bar uh, where Michael Rappaport is the bar owner. Pete the bartender, he's credited as. And he does the whole thing of like, oh my God, look at you. It's Sully. Sully's here in my bar. Um, and then for some reason, these two other New Yorkers are like like laughing at like the... La- I, I don't know. I, I, I thought the tone of this, this interaction between Pete and his two patrons... Um, and Sully was a little bit weird <laughs> where they were like, yeah, Sully and like laughing. At st- I was like, OK, because they got a drink called the Sully because it's like Grey Goose with a splash of water. <laughs> that I mean, that's funny. Though. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I did think that was quite funny. But these these two other guys are laughing way more at that gag than really is necessary. Um, and Sully isn't saying very much, um, you know, of course. Um, later later on we'll see he's still in this bar and when he leaves he tips $20 or I don't know how much that drink was what, what's a shot of Grey Goose in New York probably, probably you know, maybe, $20 maybe $10? now <laughs> oh probably tw- well so he left no tip then yeah. I mean I don't think for the, I don't think that Sully would leave no tip, yeah. tip. I mean um, he, he probably you know, said don't you know who talking- I am you should be tipping me <laughs> <laughs> I was I was surprised that there wasn't a drinks on the house moment. Like I was surprised, yeah. like you know, he would go to pay and he'd be like, "No, your money's no good. You're silly." Right. Like I, that's what I was expecting this to go. Like it didn't go there uh, because this film is meandering at this point. Um, but yeah, we get back to the landing, and uh, you know, this is it. We see like the full aftermath of the landing. Um, we have a very calm Sully just being like, "Evacuate." <laughs> I'm like. I'm like, Sully, you are being way too calm in a situation where your plane is filling with water. In, in, Just a very measured, in a measured way, go evacuate. Right. Oh, that's what we expect from the captain, though, of course. Right. You know? In real life, I think that was one of the things that really impressed everybody. Because I remember, like, all sorts of talking heads talk, discussing about, like, this is somebody who knows what they're doing, is in command, is in charge, and is, you know, un, unwavering and unflinching. Like, hit the fact that he stayed so calm. And that he was like, all right, this is the next step. This, the, you know, so it's, I think they tried their best to capture that, you know, with these little moments. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, Tom Hanks good, but uh, I, it's just hearing, hearing the actual audio of Sully, you know, I don't think they quite captured it totally effectively, but they do, they do fine. I think in some ways, and this is probably why I like the ending of Zero Dark Thirty, not just because obviously they kill one of the worst terrorists of our time. Um, but also, uh, it is what's known as competence porn, which is like somebody who is extremely good at their job, just doing that job well. Um, and I think that's part of this, you know, like the the stuff in the cockpit, like how calm he is, like checking stuff. We'll see it later more in in more detail when we have the CVR, because obviously the la- you know the landing, as it's depicted here, there's a lot of cutting back and forth between like the lights going out and the passengers panicking and the, you know, the the two. Uh, uh, you know, flight attendants yelling uh, brace <laughs> and saying don't put, like kind of yelling it like over and over again, like a chant. They keep yelling brace. Uh, like later on when we were in the cockpit as well, when we're listening to the CVR, you do kind of hear that in the background. Yeah. Like a little bit of the, yeah. the brace thing. And I, I thought that was kind of funny that like, 
uh, it came through on the recording because they were yelling it so loud and like over and over again to to keep the passengers calm. Yeah, when I was rewatching it, I kept thinking, I'm like, am, is, do the kids have something on in the background? Am I hearing another <laughs> another thing? And I'm like, no, no, that's the flight attendants yelling at everybody, or you know, yelling yeah. them to be prepared. You know, not yelling at them. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I was watching the film and I thought, wait there, I'm, I was I was like, at my window is somebody, and uh, you know. It was just in the background, yeah. So, But we see this. We see the one idiot who didn't take a life jacket flapping around in the bloody water. It's January in New York, buddy. Like, I know a life jacket's not going to keep you warm, but it's going to stop you from drowning right. or at least stop your body from falling to the bottom of the river. You know, that one guy. Um, but, yeah, we see, you know, they release the... You know the, the the various little what are they called the things the slides they release yeah. the, the slides, um, you know, and people are sliding down them. It's funny because the final slide they release is with Sully and um, and Skiles, and they slide like two feet, and then they have to go back up because they've got to release the slide. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of funny. I was like, guys, don't slide down, release it before you like. But anyway, I you know I just thought it was a funny moment because I was like Clint, what are you doing shooting these guys sliding for all of three feet before they have to crawl back a little bit? Um, but yeah, so we see all the passengers trying to get off. Um, you know, we see the two flight attendants. You know, as as Ali says at the end, you know, he credits everybody and obviously the flight attendants are really good at kind of making sure that people don't panic and getting them off in the correct order. Um, you know, they open up the doors so that people can get, climb out onto the wings. Obviously, the, you know, the image of all the people on the wings is the thing that you know the promotional images for this. You know, other than you know Tom's mustache. Um, you know, that's the thing that people remember the most is like is the people on the wings and you know um we see a few people kind of we see that you know the guys who were going golfing the one son is with the dad and they're yelling for the other guy you know as played by sam huntington and you know he's he can hear them but he can't get to them we'll find out later on that he ends up in jersey which i just thought was like a funny gag that, that <laughs> like he was rescued but he ended up on, he was on the wrong side of the plane so he ends up in jersey whereas everyone else ends up in new york i just thought that was a funny moment um you know was chris christie governor at this particular point it was bloomberg um, it was bloomberg oh was, no no no. i mean uh in jersey oh um yeah you're right <laughs> sorry chris christie is yeah jersey. yeah i don't i don't probably yeah. yeah i think so i think so yeah I'm surprised he didn't, Close you know, bridge. do something. Yeah, well, this is, yeah, yeah, stop him from coming over. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, we get the kind of, we see we see that there's this boat that was, you know, that set out earlier, and then it can see the plane. Uh, we see a couple, we see the plane, as we see, we see a different angle on the plane landing as it goes over this, over the bridge. Is that the GW that it flies over? Um, I don't remember. But, yeah, like, it flies over a bridge. You see a guy on the bridge see it. You know, we see the plane landing and, you know, all these... We see the various different rescue efforts. Um, you know, we've got these people who were scuba divers who were going to be flying in in the helicopter. Um, you know, the, the, the boat, the Thomas Jefferson, pulls up and starts rescuing people, throwing them, you know, uh, you know life vests to, for them to, to kind of get onto the boat. Um, and uh, the weirdest thing is they... Again, they cut to a news reporter... And I understand in modern films that, you know, the kind of the CNN 20, you know, 24 hour news cycle or whatever. But this reporter who I think is, I don't know if this is the, the New York one. I think this is, that's a later guy who, but he's like, um, you know, because it's freezing cold in the water and the, the, you know, the chill factor is this. He's like, they've literally got minutes to live. And I'm like, what are you doing? But what is this news report of a guy standing next to the, next to the husband going, Oh yeah, those guys over there—they're gonna die in a bit if they don't get rescued. It's, I was like, "That's the weirdest." Again, Clint, what are you doing? I understand we need to have a bit of exposition, but that's that's ridiculous. You know, it's it's trying to make it seem like the stakes are higher, like these people are all gonna die 
but we know they didn't, so why are you putting that in there? Um, but yeah, we see the scuba guy rescue this woman who was kind of flailing around a bit, um, you know, and, you know, we see Sully, you know, they're, they're calling him saying, you got to get off, Captain, you got to get off, but he's going back and he's checking just one last time to make sure there's nobody left on the plane. Um, uh, obviously, you know, he's the captain, so, he, you know, he's not going to go down with the ship, but he's definitely going to be the last person off. And then, as I said, him and Aaron Eckhart slide down the little slide of about three feet and then immediately have to clamber back up to release it um and it drops down so it effectively becomes like a life raft mm-hmm. and then sully kind of cuts the, the the cord with the with his little knife uh to free it from the plane so they don't get pulled down with the plane um and then of course we see bobby cusack from new york one again just telling us what's happening already which we've already seen and i'm like what is going on with all these bloody intercuts of the news um but we see we see the rescues kind of completed um, you know, uh, a New York guy says, get some blankets over here. Uh, and I'm like, you got to put it in, you know, a bit, somebody saying over here in a very New York accent. Um, we see Sully call his wife again, only really to tell us stuff <laughs> that the audience already knows. But he says, you know, turn the TV on. Uh, and of course, they turn the TV on and it's not in the middle of a news report, but it's breaking news because... That's what happens in films when people turn on the TV. Despite the fact that this has been going on for ages and this rescue has been taking place for 24 minutes, they still managed to get the start of the news broadcast. Um, and obviously he's, you know, he's he's kind of making it out like something's going to happen to him because he's like, you know, we, you know, I, I love you. Tell the kids I love them. All that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, we see uh, that the American Red Cross uh, getting some advertising in on this film. You know, Hudson News and American Red Cross. Everybody's getting some Red Cross blankets. Um, and obviously, Sully tries to find somebody in charge. I think this is where we first meet, you know, Holt McKenney as Mike Cleary. And he's like, look, there were 155 people on board. He should have said 154, include, you know, 155 years me. But, you know, count, count, start your count at one because Sully is number one. You've already seen him. Um, and he wants a, he tells him the count is 155. And, you know, obviously they're like urging him to go to hospital and everything. And he's like, no, no, no. I, you know, I want to make sure that everybody's alive, you know, before I go. Um, he still goes anyway. Um, but, but, you know, you know, that uh, we then quickly cut to the air traffic controller who's basically in a room by himself crying because <laughs> of what he thinks has happened. And this guy just come back and, you know, comes past a different guy and he just like, you know, he's very cheery and he's just like, oh, yeah, that plane didn't go down. It's on the Hudson. It's on the news. <laughs> and obviously this means the air traffic controller doesn't need to go through the routine of like taking a bunch of tests and stuff to see if it was his fault. Could have told him earlier. Didn't have to be so casual about it, buddy. He could have come in and his supervisor could have popped by and said, look, okay, everything's all right. Don't worry about it. They forgot about him. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it feels like. That's what it it literally feels like they did that. But anyway, it was nice to see his story get tied up here. Anyway, you know, that's the end we'll see of that air traffic controller. Um, But, you know, it's nice nice to know. I mean, it's going to be traumatic for him. I'm sure he's going to be off for a couple of months, you know, following this. But still, you know. Anyway, uh, and I'm sure when he comes back, John Cusack will be making fun of his character as in the film Pushing Tin. Uh, Everyone should watch at least the first 45 minutes of Pushing Tin. Gets less interesting after that. Um, So, yeah, you know, we're we're in the hospital and Sully has a pulse of 110, which is kind of insane. But, you know, the the doctor that's checking him is like, look, considering what's happened, 110 is actually very good like you know if, if you'd if i'd landed a plane on the hudson it would be like you know 180 i'd be having a heart right. attack but 110 
is fine. And of course, you know, the guy from the, you know, his uh, union comes in and he says, look, 155, including you, Sully, everyone's alive. And obviously, you know, Sully's really, you know, he's, he's you know, he's happy. He's happy that everyone's alive. Um, you know, this is not quite as traumatic as the ending of Captain Phillips, which, you know, made me feel sorry for Tom Hanks. <laughs> I was just like, you know, somebody help that guy. He's just literally crying because he, he's been through such a traumatic thing. Um, in this case, he's a lot calmer. Um, and, uh, you know, we see that the woman who's at the at the, the, the hotel, Evelyn, she like hugs him <laughs> and and Sully's like, what the hell's going on? And obviously, you know, expect this to happen a lot. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I like that we start like, you know, she's like, oh, you know, because what do you need? And he's like, you know, can I get my uniform, you know, dry clean? And she's like, you know, I'd give you the whole hotel. Um, <laughs> so, which I thought nice because uh, that also is kind of like in Captain Phillips where they like cut all his clothes off him and everything and you know they're checking you know because obviously he's got blood of all the people who were shot right in front of him um, so you know they're kind of checking him over and stuff like that and, and and it's kind of a similar thing here of like he's still in they actually say to him when they're in the in the hotel room they're like why are you still in your uniform um and I think he was, I, I, if I was him, I'd have said, because, you know, I'll get free drinks forever if I just walk, you know. Did you not see Cash Me If You Can? I was in that as well. Um, you know, so, but yeah, you know, he's he's going to have a change of clothes. I like that Aaron Eckhart's like, you know, what do they think we are, ninjas? <laughs> Which is like such a, <laughs> it's like, it's such a weird, like, just because you're wearing black, you all of a sudden you're a ninja. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, we end up, we end up in the bar, which I think it brings us back to the present that's the moment that we're actually in. Uh, and he has a he has a brainwave. He pays for the drink. Like we said, $20. Don't know if there's a tip included there. Uh, he goes outside and he calls up Michael Malley and he's like, hey, the simulations. I need to see them. And also, we need to run some new ones because they weren't dealing with shit like I dealt with it. Like, you know, they weren't having, you know, things happening in real time. Um, and this that kind of sows the seeds of what's going to happen at the hearing. Um, and so we get to the hearing, the climax of the film, um, you know, and we get to see the landing one more time. But this time we're going to stay mostly inside the cockpit. Yeah. Uh, we get we get the air traffic controller again because obviously he, he's on the recording. Um, but we're mostly staying inside the cockpit. We're not going to have anything with the passion at passengers. We're not going to have the, you know, the flight attendants doing anything. Um, uh, and. You know, at the hearing we see, we, you know, there's been a request to contact Germany and have like live the live simulations. And we see the first one and they quite successfully, you know, they say birds, which I love. And then they go and land at LaGuardia with no problems. Apart from the problem would be you're at LaGuardia now, right. the world's worst airport. They even call that out um, in the beginning of the movie, the flight attendants do. They make a joke about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because I have actually been to LaGuardia and it wasn't that bad, right. to be honest with you. Same. I managed to get to ground transport within five minutes and I was I was off crossing the city to go to JFK to get my connection. It was fine. There was no problems. They Apparently, they've been doing some building works on it for the last like five years. So, you know, it's, it should be better. But you know, everyone likes to make jokes about LaGuardia, myself included. Um, so they see they, they, they watch a second simulation. Uh, interestingly, both of these have like a male captain and a woman co-pilot bit of a choice uh i don't know i don't know what that was all about but they land at teterborough no problems um and i finally know how to say teterborough correctly because when i looked at that written down i was like what the how the hell do i but anyway they said teterborough enough in the film that i now know how to pronounce it 
Um, and then, then this is where, of course, Tom Hanks delivers what would have been, if he'd have been nominated, um, his Oscar winning line, which would have been, can we get serious now? Um, and <laughs> and it is a wonderful moment because, like, up until this point, the film has been very kind of, you know, pl- not not kind of particularly playful. But, like, the idea of, like, these simulations hasn't been treated that seriously. Like, you know, it feels like some there's some stakes here, but you're not quite clear what they are. Um, and then we've seen these two successful landings and they're like, oh, you should have done that instead. And obviously Sully's like, no, 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 no. Let's, you know, let's like he's like those those weren't realistic. They didn't deal. You know, you you've told them before they sat in that simulator, they were going to have to land at an airport, you know, and that they were going to get hit by bird strikes and the engines were going to go out. And they like they they know the, the you know, the, what this what the situation is before they go in and Sully and obviously Jeff as well, because he keeps piping in every now and again. Um, they're like, you know, you've taken out the human element. And basically what they're saying is nobody told us when we took off from LaGuardia, you know, Cactus uh, 1549, that we were going to be hit with some birds. Like nobody told us that beforehand. <laughs> like that was a surprise and we had to react to that. And you, your guys aren't reacting to the surprise. Like they're just, they're literally, you know, doing a computer simulation. What I found was funny was actually earlier in the film, Jeff Skiles says something about how like they're treating it like pac-man playing a video game and i'm like man that's like that's like a 40 year old reference <laughs> like, true but and then you gotta think about it these guys are older guys anyway so yeah <laughs> they're, they're boomers I mean, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah uh, but, I, but i just would have i thought it would have been funnier if he just said something like they're not playing call of duty or yeah. like even flight simulator jesus christ we i had flight simulator on the amstrad in like the 80s like you know anyway i just thought the pac-man comment was funny because of course during this jeff goes it wasn't a video game you know he then that's the the feeling is that like this is being played a bit like a video game where you know you know the parameters and so um you know uh, mike o'malley he kind of turns around and talks into like a little phone um held upside down like the the flight attendants do and uh he's you know he says to them you know 35 seconds like you know that's that's what the, that's what they're going to give them the time to react to um, and of course, this is where Sully says to Anna Gunn, how many times did they practice? And of course, uh, she has to admit they did 17 practice runs before they were able to land it at LaGuardia. Uh, and the room is like, ooh. Yeah, the audience in the in the chamber is like, ooh. They, they, they get rowdy a yeah. few times. <laughs> yeah, the, the audience, which appears to be just like a bunch of pilots, doesn't it? Like yeah. they're all wearing uniforms. And uh, I'm not sure who all those people were, but, you know, you need you needed an, an audience to react to stuff, so obviously now we get we now we get the real simulations. Um, as the third simulation, uh, they try to go to Laguardia, and they end up crashing. <laughs> and I thought the crash was quite funny because it's like they literally like crash under the concrete yeah. at Laguardia. Uh, so I thought, oh, that's you know, there's the, there's a the whole like um, you know pull up pull up that kind of, like the the you know the the um, the automated uh, what's it called like yeah the board, autopilot yeah. is like telling them. Yeah, pull up, pull up. Uh, much like in the film Lightyear. Uh, there's a whole running j- gag in that film about autopilots. Um, and so they try the fourth sim, and we end up with, you know, a brand new 911 as they smash straight through some tenement housing <laughs> in uh, in Queens. Um, and, yeah, they don't manage to get to Teterboro. And, uh, and obviously, you know... Uh, actually, what I, what I did like was at the very end here where, you know, we're about to hear the CVR. Um, and before we do... Um, you know, uh, 
well, no, after after it's played, we get Mike O'Malley saying that this is the first time that he's listened to a CVR recording with the captain present. So obviously the emphasis is normally the black box recorder is retrieved after a crash and everyone's dead. So, you know, this this, you know, this is a unique thing that's happening. Um, and as I said, that we replay we replay it again yeah. <laughs> from start to end. We have the the takeoff. Uh, we get birds, and then we get we see them do, this time though. Of course, we see them doing the checks. Like we see them running through the checks, checking the like the the power and checking the engine, checking the backup power, going through all the different the procedure that obviously you know they were told to do. But Sully had kind of skipped a few steps and was you know we see that Jeff is like looking through the manual trying to find where Sully is and realizing that obviously. In his head, he's already thought, you know, he's already looked around and checked various things without having to press all the buttons over and over. And, you know, we, we basically we see Sully being, you know, the, the utmost professional person, like just going through what, what needs to be done, checking everything. And then, of course, we get to the moment where, you know, he's talking to the, you know, trying to fit, talking to air traffic control. They're telling him where to go. And he's like, nope, nope. And then he says, you know, we may end up in the Hudson. And of course, later they end up on the Hudson. Um, we have the whole warnings of like you know too low terrain, yeah. too low terrain, and you know they then he's like you know he says to you know Jeff you know f put the flaps down, and then you know he goes on this, this this speaker and says you know this is your captain, you know brace for impact, um, and then they land and you know after the after all that of course Sully takes a break because you would because you know it's kind of traumatic to listen to it all over again. Um, and then you know we get as you said just just in time we find out the left engine was also damaged that was a thing that you know might end up with him losing his license or whatever uh, and then Sully gets to make his speech where you know they're, they're like well done you know you managed to land it and he's like no it wasn't me it was everyone you know like it was the the cabin crew it was the passengers everyone everyone took part in this and uh you know that's where the film ends and then we got a little title card where they're like yeah, it landed on the Hudson, yeah. <laughs> and it took it took twenty four minutes for everyone to be rescued. New York is the greatest city in the world because it took twenty four minutes. Nobody died. Everyone was fine. And I'm like, yeah, we know, we all knew this before we even started watching the film. I don't know who you think you're talking to. <laughs> like, it's such a weird like title card to put up at the end when we've literally seen the whole film. But at this point, we've seen the thing from three different angles and landed. Um, and then you know we we also then get the real Sully with the real passengers each identifying themselves by their seat numbers um and all hugging each other quite a lot and i was like I'd, i mean if i'd been on a, f a flight where i'd crashed and i'd been rescued i don't know that i'd ever want to see those people again or hug them but <laughs> these people have obviously formed a bond and you know they're there hugging and they're there with sully and sully's obviously like you know it was great we all did it together you know, I, I like uh, that feel good stuff because I mean, I, I like I've, I've watched yeah. those like um, like people who survived nine eleven, rescued by firefighters, and they reunite the firefighters for you know for a nice tearjerker news story. Like I, I like that stuff, and that's kind of what that's all about there. But um, right before the title card, you missed the one of the best parts of the movie is when they asked uh, oh. Aaron Ar Eckhart if he if he would have done oh, something yeah, yeah. different. He's like, yeah, I would have done it in July. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's the gag they go out on isn't it yeah. <laughs> and i was like what a weird way to end this film because <laughs> then everyone's like looking at each other and laughing yeah. and i'm like what is this it's a feel-good yeah. moment i was like that's a really weird way to end it but yeah it's nice to see sully you know with the passengers and obviously yeah. 
you know, he, he says it's not just, you know, 155. Again, counting himself. Stop counting yourself in the count, Sully. It's not how this works. Um, you know, himself and, you know, it's not just the passengers. It's their, you know, families and stuff. And he's like, in, you know, that number gets very big very quick. Um, and, you know, I like after he did this, you know, he obviously wrote a book. Um, and I mean, I jokingly called him, you know, Sully O'Sullivan. But like his real name is is, is Chelsea Sullenberger. That's his, real, you know, just in case people didn't think I knew his actual name, uh, I did. These days he doesn't have a mustache. No, yeah, he looks he shaved weird without his mustache. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I th- also I thought toward, when they're in the when they're in the corridor talking at the end, I was like, have they put like a nose on Tom Hanks? Because um, from that angle, it looked a little bit, and his, and it did look like they tried to make his nose look a bit more like Sully's. Hmm. It's possible. Um, yeah, they probably tried to do, do a little prosthetics and make him look a little bit more like him. So you're not like that's obviously just Tom Hanks in a mustache. But yeah, so like after that flight, you know, he did, you know, he did a bit of publicity. You know, he got to, uh, you know, both uh, George W. Bush and President Barack Obama both congratulated him, and you know, he got, like I said, he was invited to the inauguration a few days later. Um, you know, he, like literally the next day, you know, the Senate passed a resolution recognizing him and honoring him and all the cabin crew and, you know, Jess Giles and all the rest of it. Um, and uh, he, you know, he he didn't really like does it, they hint at it in the film where when they when Jeff Giles and, and Sullenberger first meet, they're like he's going on about like his website. Um, and like he did have like a website you know promoting his services and stuff and that's kind of what he ended up doing like he, he you know he you know literally like the following year basically retired <laughs> um and he was like yeah you know i think i've had enough and then he's kind of you know get going around giving speeches and stuff like that he um, he had a cameo in one of my new favorite christmas movies which is daddy's daddy's home too and I'll spoil the ending of this. We find out. Love that film. Yeah, that's great. And we, we find out that Will Ferrell's parents are actually divorced. So at the very end, he gets to meet his new you know stepdad. And it's Sully. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> and it's really Sully. He comes down. And they even say, and, uh, Mark Wahlberg calls it out. He's like, oh, he goes, that's Sully, you know, Miracle on the Hudson. He's like, we watched the movie at HBO at your house. He's like, yeah, Clint Eastwood directed it. I really liked it. <laughs> But of course, Will Ferrell hates his new stepdad because he's not as cool as his real dad, and he runs off and <laughs> like pouting like a little child. <laughs> yeah. And so he's he's like, no, no, you're making a mistake. The... He's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was an amusing. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, um, also Garrison Keillor, noted uh, sex pest, uh, wrote a song uh, called "The Ballad of Chelsea Sullenberger." That's funny. Uh, which. Yeah, which kind of went out on the uh, Prairie Home Companion like a few days after this whole thing happened, um, you know. And then, of course, uh, the thing the, the, the like, I'm you know, I'm not I'm not saying that this like wasn't like a thing over here because obviously we saw it on the news and we were like, oh, okay, somebody landed a plane on a river, wonderful. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we had other stuff we were dealing with, so it wasn't like a you know a huge thing over here, um, but like. I remember that on 30 Rock, where there was like a storyline where obviously Matt Damon was an airline pilot who, you know, Liz Lemon was in love with. And he, like at every opportunity, would complain about Sully and how he was a jackass and how he, and that, and like for the whole season, like anytime anyone mentioned Sully, he would just get really angry at it. And uh, I don't know, that's just like, I was like, that's kind of, that's kind of funny that like, 
you know, other pilots hate Sully was like just a gag on 30 Rock. Um, but yeah, so, you know, like we said, Sully, um, you know, seems like a genuine guy in real life. Um, you know, uh, he adopted two daughters, um, you know, uh, so obviously he's a good guy. Um, he lost his father in 95, uh, you know, uh, killed himself uh, by suicide. Um, so, you know, he's, uh, he's, you know, done a lot of work for those, you know, for suicide prevention charities. Uh, I think, like, unfortunately, uh, you could probably guess just by looking at his mustache uh, that in real life he was, you know, a Republican. <laughs> kind of not really a shock. Um, but then he, you know, he um, he endorsed Biden um, and um, Biden, you know, uh, nominated him for the Council of International Civil Aviation Organization, which is also known as ICAO. Um, uh, as an ambassador, and he was confirmed unanimously by Senate. I wouldn't think that that'd be a Senate confirmable post, but apparently it is, and he got all the votes. Um, and uh, you know, uh, he's going to st- step down. Uh, actually, he stepped down on July first oh. from that post. So he'd been there for like you know two years, eighteen months a bit. Um, you know, uh, representing you know kind of civil aviation. Um, but yeah, you know, it, I mean, like, obviously we've spoken about the special effects. They're not super great. Uh, everyone knows the story going in. They show you the crash three or four times. They pad things out a bit. So I feel like we're going to have to come come down and judge this film. We've only got two ratings on here. T-Hangs, no T-Hangs. Uh, I don't want to sway you in any direction, but, you know, what are you thinking? I'm going to say T-Hangs. Uh, despite our... Uh, criticism of the the need to stretch out to 130 minutes so i mean the, the fact that it's only 130 minutes and we still had to you know pad it and the fact that some of the um special effects are a little wonky it's not about the special effects uh like you said the bird strikes effective enough that's that's the main thing really it's the inside the cockpit and it's the courtroom drama type thing and i think they both um sully well, you know, Tom Hanks and, and Aaron Eckhart knock it out of the park with their little speeches at the end. And I do think Michael Malley plays a nice snarky little, uh, you know, uh, investigator or whatever that's trying to, you know, prove that they, they ruined their plane and he could have, you know, he could have saved it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I like the movie. I mean, it really could have been an episode of a TV show and it'd be done in like 45 minutes to an hour because that's all you need. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Tom Hanks is a good actor and he, he plays the part well. It's a good story. Um, I do like that they can they show you the different sides of it, you know, different angles. But, again, you really only need the very beginning to set it up and the very end <laughs> to, to be like – this is our dramatic speech time, and this is the the actual landing, and that's it. But again, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I mean, I, I like Tom Hanks. I like Clint Eastwood. So I'll give it a pass. T. Hanks. I mean, I would say this. Of all the films where Tom Hanks plays a captain, I think you've got at least two other films that are better than this straight away. One of which has the title, you know, Captain in the actual name of the film, and the other of which finishes with him blowing a tank up with a pistol. <laughs> Um, as he sh- futilely shoots as he dies. But, you know, uh, and this this film was never going to match the heights of those. 
uh, like you say, it's it, it's a forty five minute TV episode that's been stretched out to go on for too long. You know, how much do we need of Tom Hanks running around New York and going to a bar and all this kind of stuff? And like you say, yeah, Michael Malley's playing like a a kind of obsequious kind of investigator. But when Tom Hanks calls him up in the middle of the night, is like, I want new Sims. He's a, like, he's like, yeah, okay, all right, we'll do that for you. Like he's not unreasonable. And I, you know, and they do portray the NTSB as like, you know, the villains of the piece. But they are, you know, they've got to investigate it because obviously something happened. And in the end, they're like, yeah, the bird struck and you met, did an amazing landing, and you know, like, so you're like, well, what was the point of this film then? <laughs> like, what were we, what were we fighting over? Like, you know, if we both agree it was a great landing and he's a wonderful captain and everyone likes him, where the hell's the conflict? I, and I think that's the, you know, they wanted the to make problem, a movie I think, about. Sully, but they didn't really yeah. have a story other than those few minutes, like you said. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah, they 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 had to make something up. <laughs> but but I would still say T. Hanks, though I will say in the similar vein to like you know Bridge of Spies and Captain Phillips, and Charlie Wilson's War. I'm probably never going to watch this ever again. Like it's it's not a bad film, but it's just one of those things where you know we know the outcome, and for like for a film where you know the outcome, the film has to. Like has to transcend. It has to be really, really good. Like it has to, it has to be so good that halfway through the film you forget that these people live. Yeah. And I don't think we ever did that. I don't think we were ever at a part where we were worried. You know, you saw all the you saw all the rescuers coming out, which is great. You know, New York, greatest city on the planet. <laughs> um, you know that that kind of attitude coming through. But it's like, yeah, they've rescued them. That's for the majority of the people who did the rescuing. That's what they're paid to do. Right. <laughs> that's their job. So like. You know, and and in some ways, when when Sully is like, you know, I did my job. Yeah, you did. You landed a plane on the Hudson, which is difficult. But you you're a, you're a you know, who else was going to do that? You were the captain of a plane, like you, like that's your job. And and I think there's a you know, like you know, the performances from Hanks and and Eckhart and Eckhart's mustache, of course, you know, they're top notch. But it feels like they're in a film that's a little bit beneath them, and and. I don't know if that's just, you know, Clint Eastwood and his, you know, never say second take kind of like attitude. Like it just feels like some of this is a first run through, like some of the exchanges, like the guy literally standing there and say, Sally, I'm calling your name. It's like, yeah, you don't like that was (laughs) like, I feel like the script needed maybe a, a little bit more like editing or something. And like you say, it is like it's an hour and a half, which everyone agrees is the perfect length of a film. But it, even an hour and a half, it feels just a little bit too long. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know, the middle is a bit flabby, you know, like the, all the stuff with the rescue. And it's like, OK, people shuffled along the wings and then they did some more shuffling on the wings. And it's like it's like we're not really getting any new information here. It's funny that that one guy ends up in Jersey and his, you know, his son has to hold his dad back to stop him from going back into the plane. But it's like that doesn't like. I'm not I'm not feeling like any of them are in danger. Um but you know, like I say, it is a bit of competence porn. Like it's it's good to see a guy do his job and be really calm and when you hear the voice like the voice recording part is amazing. Like it's like listening to how calm he was and you know, it's you know, it, you know, Tommy's trying to capture what was what was there, but if you listen to the real one, it's like you like Sully was like a machine. Like he mm-hmm. he just was going and 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 that's kind of great to get on film, but you know I don't quite feel we quite get to the same level as the real life thing. But then you know nothing really can. Uh, but also at this point in his life, Tommy's obsessed with just doing real life films. So <laughs> you know that's probably what drew him to this. You know, uh, you know in a few films time he's going to be in the post, and then after that we've got a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. You know, and then obviously currently in cinemas, 
we've got Elvis. Like yeah. he's his obsession with being real people is like I I'm not I think Tom does a great thing here, but I I think there were probably other actors who might have been a bit more suited to the role, and it feels like Tom is he's not really like. Uh, you know, like apart from those kind of speeches and like the bit of the interaction between him and Aaron Eckhart, I don't think he's really bringing anything different to this film that's, you know, elevating it. He's just, it feels like, as with a lot of Clint Eastwood films, it feels like he's just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's dyed his hair, he's grown a mustache. Uh, uh, to be honest with you, even though he's in Saving Mr. Banks for practically hardly any of that film, it feels like he put a lot of effort into, like he went and saw the Walt Disney family and listen to like hundreds of hours of recordings of Walt Disney talking so he could get his accent and his cadence down. <laughs> With this, it feels like he literally just dyed his hair and grew a mustache. And then was and that's about as much yeah, effort. Yeah. yeah, that's it. He's like, that's it. And I'm sure that's about as much effort as Clint would even yeah. want from him. It's just like, grow the mustache, dye your hair, and then put on a captain's uniform and we're going. Right. Like, <laughs> Begin. You know, it, it, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, fi- it doesn't feel like there's really been any effort put in before they started rolling the cameras. And I think some of that shows on screen. It's not, like I say, this isn't a bad film. The effects are a bit janky in places, but like the the performance of the, like all the all the actors playing the passengers do a wonderful job. You know, they they get seconds to kind of establish like archetypes. You know, the 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 people playing the, the flight attendants, again, wonderful actors. You know, it, it just feels like, you know, it, this film is both too long and too short. Like, you never get to know any of the characters properly. You know, those those guys are going to a golf tournament and <laughs> they get some tickets. Like, uh, that's it. We, that's all we know about them. You know, the one guy ends up in Jersey and the others are in New York. Like, there's not there's not really a huge amount of... Like, like I say, in a TV movie, they would have spent like an hour setting up every single passenger individually. And we don't get that, so it feels a bit hollow. And then all the stuff in the cockpit is wonderful but it feels like it goes on for too long because we see the same landing three times from three... Di- we see it a fourth time, but the, the first time we see it, they crash into a building. Yeah. Um, and then we see it four more times in the simulations and twice they crash into... Build- like, we see we see the landing so many times that at a, po- a certain point you're like, move on, show us something else. <laughs> like, So, you know, still T. Hanks, but, you know, that's mostly for, like we say, Aaron Eckhart and Tom Hanks, you know, what they're doing. Oh, like, all the stuff with the paparazzi, I'm like... Did that really happen? Was that like... There's little bits of this film where you're like... And the same... Like, I feel like Laura Linney's completely wasted just hearing information over the phone from from Tom Hanks. And you're like... I'm sure Lorraine Sullenberger was more involved than this, but they, you know, they can't really do anything with that, you know. Um, so, but yeah, you know, I, th- I think... Uh, you know, it's a uh, it uh, like it fits in this whole kind of like dad core thing that Tom Hanks has going on at this point, along with like Bridges spies, and um, you know like uh, Captain Phillips. Like you know, I'm sure anyone's dad would love this film. Right, right. For the rest of for the rest of humanity, I don't like I don't know how interested you can be in something where you know from beginning to end the story, and you know it. You know, like I say, if you know if you know how a film ends, like. You, like in you know because it's based on something in real life the film has to really you know make you not remember that um and i i don't think this film ever did that and that's probably why it's not worth watching a second time um except maybe the landing you know yeah if you if you can find the landing like on youtube just watch that right and, it is it's there you can you watch know. it <laughs> that's all you need yeah so well there that's it yeah so save yourself the trouble and just watch like 11 minutes of this film and you'll be fine um, so I feel like we said about as much as anybody can say about Sully. Uh, so let's move on to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug before we go? Yeah. Um, well, actually, I'm currently 
I got two active projects right now. I'm doing Marvel Events Timeline podcast with Travis Bow, where we're going through Marvel comics starting back in the 30s, going up to um, present day eventually, um, hitting every major milestone. And that is over at Marvel Events uh, Timeline Pod on Instagram. It's a good place to find us there. And, of course, we uh, I'm doing uh, a show called Hamilton Shot by Shot, where I'm going through the musical Hamilton one song at a time. And that is Hamilton Shot by Shot over on Instagram as well. And I got my, my Movies by Minutes um, pro- uh, project, which is on hiatus currently, but um, it, it has, a, has a complete Clint Eastwood movie, if anybody's interested. It's the Heartbreak Ridge. Um, we also had uh, Swede from Heartbreak Ridge on, who discusses about Clint Eastwood's filmmaking, if, if you want to hear a little bit more from the, directly from a source. And that is uh, Marine Corps Movie Minute Pod over on Instagram as well. Great stuff. And uh, I'm sure he confirmed that, you know, um, Clint is meticulous and does many takes. And uh, he says about two to three yeah. tops. <laughs> and that was when he was a much younger man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when he wasn't in his eighties. You can find us on Twitter at uh, t underscore ft memory. Extremely awkward, which is why I have to literally have it written in front of me for me to remember how to say it. Uh, thanks for being my guest here, uh, Brian, and talking about Sully. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And obviously this film, very much set in the water, but the next one, it's going to be more fire-based because it's an inferno. <laughs> <laughs>